0: Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. As always, I am so pumped to have you here, and today we have a very special guest on the show. Tisha Ryman. She is from Toronto, Ontario, and she is also a fellow holistic nutritionist. And I'm just really excited to have Tisha on the show with me this week because. Her and I are so aligned when it comes to nutrition and I love what she is doing in the nutrition field. So she is all about taking down diet culture and addressing weight stigma and all of those really great things. She's also had a similar journey With food to me. So, her and I have both experienced eating disorders and recovered from them. And she's just, her transformation has truly been so incredible. And just hearing her in today's episode as her and I were talking, I honestly was just so blown away and proud of her for how far she's come. So I just want that to be a reminder to all of you who are listening to this episode today, feeling maybe frustrated with your relationship with food or even in a place of just feeling really fearful around food, because that's what Tisha talked about today of how she was once very fearful around so many different types of foods. And I just want to remind you that Tisha and myself were both living examples of recovery being possible. Recovery absolutely is possible. So if you are sitting there right now struggling with your relationship with food and wondering if... You can get through this if recovery is possible for you. We are living proof of that. And I just want that to be a reminder to you that recovery is possible. And I, both Tisha and I, both of us are rooting for you. And if you are looking for support in your healing journey with food or your healing journey with your body, I offer coaching services And I welcome you to check them out. I have my links in the show notes as well. And if Tisha and her work resonates with you, I highly recommend checking her out, giving her a follow on Instagram, especially I love all of the content she shares there. And so if you are listening to this show and loving it, I would so appreciate it if you took a screenshot posted it to social media and tagged both Tisha and I so we can see who's listening. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will be back next week with a brand new episode. Hey Tisha, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with me today. I think you and I connected through one of my previous guests and one of my close friends, Stephanie Tucci. And I'm just so happy that we were able to connect because I love following you on Instagram. You're amazing. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, and likewise, I've been following you for so long, and I remember like realizing that you and Steph are friends, and I was like, "What a small world it is!" In like the nutrition space, such a small world.
0: But I want to know so much more about you, and give the mic over to you because you and I have so much in common when it comes to food, and that's why I love following you on Instagram. You're all about, you know, breaking down diet culture and telling the people the truth about food and so I'm just really excited to have you on the show today and if our listeners are meeting you for the first time would you just like to introduce yourself before
1: we get into things yes would love to and I'll try to keep it succinct but
0: it's okay I'm I'm not (laughs) succinct at all
1: um, I'm a nutritionist, I'm a holistic nutritionist, um, but I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I'm also a food stylist and food photographer, and I do recipe development, and that's kind of been the world that I've been living in for the last seven years. Um, on my Instagram sp- specifically, um, I talk a lot about weight stigma and breaking down diet culture, and looking at nutrition through a social justice lens. Amazing. I So,
0: I am so curious, like, what got you into this kind of area of the nutrition world, right? So why diet culture? Like, why are you so passionate about that? And also the weight stigma piece? Like, was there something in your past that happened that really, like, piqued your interest in this area of nutrition?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I would say that it definitely for me started, I think, like a lot of people, it started with a history of disordered eating. Um, and for me, food was very much a way to control my outside world. Um, especially like for me, I used food as a way to kind of just deal with some underlying issues um, relating to like my sexuality and not being ready to like confront that. And when I started, so I was having all these health issues and I decided to restrict all the foods that I was eating and my health just kept deteriorating. And so I was like, okay, what can I do? How can I fix this? And so I got really into nutrition. And I think like a lot of people who struggle with any kind of disordered eating, um, nutrition wasn't the sole piece to it. So I started to eat really good food, but I didn't actually get down to the root cause of what was really bothering me. And so instead I started to deal with orthorexia and obsession around food and fear around food. And that kind of followed me for years. And initially this thing that kind of was a hyper focus on weight and weight loss, despite the fact that I don't think I was ever somebody who really had a lot of weight to lose. I found myself that even when I was like getting to a place where I felt very comfortable with my body, weight loss was still in the back of my mind. I was still constantly eating for weight loss. And that was something that I noticed as time went on that, you know, I thought I had a really healthy relationship with my food, but there were still things I wouldn't let myself eat because subconsciously I was afraid I was going to gain weight. And I think as I started to become more invested in Just what was going around, going on around me in terms of just a lot of the social justice issues that I was discovering and learning about, especially as I came to terms with my own sexuality and became more involved in the queer community. And I started to learn that there was just so much that I hadn't really seen before. I started to realize that there were so many other barriers to nutrition and health that really had nothing to do with weight. And in fact, um, I think the obsession with weight is a huge hindrance to health.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that you said, you know, you, it's not like you had weight to lose, but there was always kind of that messaging in your mind and, and those behaviors, right? I, I think that, or I know that I had done that for years too. It's like, I, it's not like I had the goal of losing weight or needed to lose weight, but there's these behaviors that we do because the messaging that we receive is all about weight loss, right? So it's like, we're eating in a way that we
1: don't even need to be eating. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the times too, like, um, there's just this like fixation in the media for, you know, quote unquote, obesity is the root cause of all these health issues. And you internalize that, that even when I'm doing something that I think is for my health, what I'm doing it for is to be thin, like that is a subconscious messaging is that there's very much a moral attachment to our food choices. And we become very hyper focused on weight, whether or not that's the intention. Mm -hmm. so
0: for you what were some of the biggest like changes that you made to kind of like stop following those types of behaviors and kind of break down even diet culture in your own mind and in your own life because I know a lot of our listeners today like that's the process that they're on, right? We're all dealing with it. I was just on Instagram a couple minutes ago, like before we hopped on this call and there's another reel that popped up in my feed about Kim Kardashian being like the taste tester and spokesperson for like Beyond Meat now. And Mm -hmm. she's now in this position where she feels like she can tell people how to eat, you know, where she's never studied nutrition before to my knowledge. And so we're constantly fed all of this information. And I'm just curious, you know, what were, what did that look like for you? What were some of those first steps?
1: Yeah. So for me, it was an extra long journey because my, as I recovered from um, my disordered eating, I developed really bad Um, fear around food um, to the point where I was working with a cognitive behavioral therapist because I would buy groceries and I would take them home and I'd be convinced that somehow they were contaminated that everything I, I was afraid I didn't cook my meat thoroughly I was afraid to eat bananas because of the high starch content like I had so much fear and I just didn't know what to eat and for me it all came crashing down when I got to a point where I was only eating craft peanut butter from the jar, because it was the only thing I felt safe eating. And I started to break out into hives from eating this peanut butter because that's all I was eating. And I didn't know what to do. It was like, that was kind of the only thing I was eating. And it was such a hard time. So my entire world came crashing down in that moment. And so I started to work with a cognitive behavioral therapist, and then I decided to go to school for nutrition and For me, what I learned was I had to confront and face my fear around food. Um, So I actually decided afterwards to enroll in culinary school because I figured if I could be around food, I could figure out how to be safe around it. And that was actually a really effective strategy, just surrounding myself and like getting my hands dirty was a really helpful um, way to heal that relationship. But I would still say when it came to having a healthy relationship with food in my body, that was still years later. Like, first, I had to feel safe with the foods around me. And then once I felt safe with those foods, it was kind of just slowly adding new foods and learning that my world wouldn't crumble, things wouldn't fall apart if I introduced new foods into into my life. Um, And something that I've really thought a lot about, um, especially in the last year, is that, you know, we we think, I think there's this, again, this moral fixation with health. Like we think that to be a good person, you have to be healthy. Like health is actually, I don't even know how to describe it, but I think there's like this need to feel healthy, to feel superior, to feel good about yourself. And something that I've kind of like really started to unpack is that belief. Like you don't actually owe anybody health. Of course, we all want to be healthy. We all want to be making choices that support our health, but it's really important to understand that you can make choices that feel good to you, even if they aren't in quest of perfect health, if that makes sense. So for me, that was like really eye-opening because I think a lot of the foods I wasn't eating included things like canola oil or refined grains or things because I was like, well, I'm still going to eat healthy foods. And I think I got to a place where I was like, no, I can have, I can have these quote unquote unhealthy foods too. They are allowed to exist in this space and that's okay. And that's not going to impact my worth. That's not going to ruin a, my health. Like everything will be okay if I make room for these foods.
0: Mm-hmm. So kind of like all foods fit type thing, yeah,
1: right? Definitely. And of course, like, of course, there, I know there are people that, you know, there are times where certain foods just don't feel good. And we can make space for that too, that some foods just don't feel good in our systems. And that's okay. But I also think that it's okay for you to have that awareness that maybe, you know, maybe dairy is something that doesn't sit well with you, but sometimes you just really want some cheese and we can kind of create this like breathing room, this awareness with our bodies and that it's, you're not good or bad for allowing certain foods into your life, right? Like you're not
0: a bad person for eating, you know, canola oil at a restaurant or whatever, right? Like, there's space for these foods. And so you're gluten free, right? And so obviously, like you have created this awareness that like, hey, all foods fit. And I'm trying these foods. And this particular type of food doesn't actually feel good for my body, right? So what was that kind of process like? Because I also have to eat gluten-free. And so I often get questions like, how can you feel free with food when you actually can't eat a certain type of food, right?
1: Yeah, um, for me, and I I also... Um, I guess like it's very, it's highly individualized, but for me, something that I've been focusing on in the last year is actually experimenting with eating gluten in small capacities and just giving myself permission to eat that food, even though I'm... Most days, it's not something I'm going to grab because I genuinely feel better when I'm not consuming a lot of gluten. But for so long, for the last decade, it's been a food that was an absolute no. Like no matter what else I allowed myself to eat, gluten was always my, like, I can't have gluten because I'm gluten free. And I've just really started to try to make space in that in the last year to be like, yeah, like I like I can eat it and it doesn't always feel good. So I'm not, I'm probably not going to, but kind of giving myself that permission to enjoy or to experience all foods has definitely been part of my journey
0: and I love that you know you're still we're all still on this journey and it's just so nice to see a fellow practitioner you know being like hey for this many years I haven't been eating this particular food but I'm trying to like make space for it like consciously and intentionally like you're trying to make space for it and everything's allowed.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, cuz I think the best diet of course is one that makes you feel good, but I think it's the one that allows you to eat the most amount of foods. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. I actually just received a question from a past client of mine and, you know, she was asking me about animal protein basically she was having stomach issues and the practitioner that she was working with had suggested to eliminate protein and kind of like a list of things and she just wanted my opinion on this and I said the exact same thing that you just said like The goal is to not restrict all of these things. The goal is to get to a place where we can eat as much variety as possible, right? Like over the years, I've... Introduced like dairy back in, and I've been eating dairy for how many years now? But like, there was a point where I wasn't eating it, and I didn't really like even have a reason to not be eating it. So it's just like, what's the point? Like, let's get to this place where we can eat um, basically all the foods.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny because I I think about this a lot as somebody who, and I'm sure you're probably very similar. I have tried every diet at one point or another. Like I've tried low carb. I've done vegan. I've done paleo. Like I've done like back in the day, I've, I've tried everything. And it was interesting because in my brain, it was all in the quest for health, but I think it was also in the quest for weight loss. And the interesting thing for me was that I have just not like, I didn't really experience any kind of changes with any of those diets. Like I've my body composition was like relatively the same. My energy levels were relatively the same. Like I didn't experience these like drastic changes in my health. And that was really eye opening for me because it showed me that I could actually have a lot of different foods and a lot of different variety. And usually the reason I didn't stick to one diet was because it eventually felt too restrictive and I needed to switch to something else. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So how do you personally like navigate food now? Like, you know, you're you're eating in a way that doesn't feel restrictive now right and you said whenever you were following a certain diet before it eventually always got to this place of feeling restrictive right and so the solution to that is just not placing these rules
1: right yeah, absolutely. I definitely think um, in terms of myself, I try to think of what can I add onto my plate versus what can I take away. So it's making sure that I'm getting enough things to fuel me up, that I'm getting enough protein, that I'm getting enough healthy fats and fiber. And then also, I like to keep a lot of snacks in the fridge, and I think, or in the fridge in the pantry. And I think having lots of options, I used to be somebody that could not have any kind of chocolate or any kind of dessert in the house. Cause I would find it and I would eat it all in one sitting. And now I I feel like over the past couple of years, I've surprised myself by how much I can have in the pantry. And that just, it just stays in there. Cause it's like, I have permission to eat it, which means that I can choose whether or not it's something I'm actually craving and I'm not eating it out of this place of, you know, fear and judgment and shame. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So years ago, you actually, didn't allow yourself to have certain things in the house
1: correct yeah yeah so yeah go ahead oh I was gonna say my partner at the time used to hide like she would buy mini eggs and then hide them in places where I like couldn't find them because she knew like or like whatever candy she wanted she would hide them because she knew if I found it I would probably eat the majority of it like eat the whole thing right so to get
0: to where you are right now because I know some of our listeners tuning into this episode right now are in that exact place right feeling like okay I can't have xyz food in the house or else I'm going to eat it all right and then us introducing like the concept to them like okay actually like that's not working for you though right because if it is around then you're just going to like you say eat it all right or a large quantity of it so how can we get to this place where we do have that choice right we we have it in the pantry and we can be like hey do I want this or not right and as like I've gone through that as well but I'm I'm just so curious like I or I'd love for you to share like what that process actually looked like for you right like you didn't just bring the mini eggs back in the house and then we're able to just be like hey do i want this or not did you go through kind of like this transition period of having the food in the house like what did that look like for you because i know it's different for everyone
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say it was a lot of baby steps. Um, I really tried to embrace just giving myself unconditional permission to eat foods that I wanted, but for a long time, that still didn't look like buying those foods. It kind of looked more like if I was at a friend's place or at work and these things presented themselves, like giving myself permission to eat the foods that were around me and also checking in, I think that's really important for anybody to just check in and ask yourself what it is that, like, why do you want that food? What is it that you're looking to, what craving are you looking to fulfill? Is it hunger? Is it, you want something to satisfy you? Is it emotionally driven? There's so many reasons that we're, you know, drawn to food and that that hunger exists. And I think it's really important to ask ourselves like why that's happening and to create like an environment, like to allow yourself to have that space to explore it. Yeah.
0: And I think so many women who are, or so many of us who are like struggling with that area, you know, feeling like we're always turning to food, whether we're like even hungry or not and maybe it is like more emotionally driven it's it's okay to recognize that food might be like the only thing in our toolbox at that moment right but if we can kind of pinpoint what emotion it is and then expand that toolbox like maybe it is like you're super lonely right and every time you're lonely you like the only thing like there's there's nothing wrong with you for having, like, having the food as the only thing in your toolbox, right? But like, if that's not working for you, let's expand that toolbox. And what else could support you when you're feeling lonely or when you're feeling bored or when you're feeling sad, right? It's all about expanding that toolbox, I feel like.
1: Definitely. And just creating that awareness. You know, if you're eating because you had a stressful day at work. It's okay. If you, if you're acknowledging like, okay, how else can we cope with that stress? But also during that stressful day at work, did you take a break? Did you sit down? Did you eat something? Have you had breakfast? Have you done something to nourish your soul, to take care of yourself? And I think we just have to be more gentle in our approach to nutrition and, be very forgiving with ourselves if we, if we eat for emotional reasons, or if we're craving certain foods that does not make you a bad person for wanting certain things. Like that's very human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Tisha, I'm just like, so, so proud and like amazed by you because of what you shared with us at the beginning of this conversation, like where you were with, Your relationship with food or in your um, experience with orthorexia, right? How much fear there was and now where you are with food. It's just absolutely incredible. And I think it's just important for everyone to see what's possible for them if they're struggling with food
1: yeah thank you thank you it's definitely not an easy journey but i also think a lot of it too was just understanding that a lot of the pressures on women specifically but just in general the pressures to look a certain way um are very much part of a system to kind of keep us fixated on our bodies and i think once i really started to understand that and understand more of the um i guess some of the social determinants of health that really prevent us from having um, access to quality nutrition or having the freedom to exist in our bodies as they are, it really started to change my outlook on dieting and nutrition in general.
0: Yeah. Did anything like shift mentally for you or was there any practices that maybe you did along your journey that kind of helped Dissolve or fizzle out that connection between like food and your body, you know, like because it sounds like so much of your journey, it was always like even if it was humming in the background, you know, the way you were eating was for your body to look a certain way or like driven by weight loss, whether that was, you know, the goal or not, it was like that was always kind of in the background. And so, was there anything that kind of like dissolved that relationship between like food and your body for you?
1: Yeah, I think um that's an interesting question. Um I think for me, it was also I, I kind of had this epiphany where after I felt like I'd started to really heal my relationship with my body in terms of I like I and I guess what I, what I mean by that is at the time, it was like, I felt very comfortable with my body. And so the, I was no longer obsessing about food to change my body. Um, I expected myself to just feel really good about myself. But instead, I feel like, again, there's this like, constant obsession in society for us to look perfect. And so what I found was that I ended up just hyper fixating on other things about my body that I didn't like that really had nothing to do um, with my weight or with what I was eating. Um, And I think one day I remember what I had a list of the things that I'm like, if I had the money, I would change this. And it's like, I have scoliosis. I'm like, I would like straighten my spine and I'd get laser eye surgery because I wear glasses and I, you know, maybe I would like fix my teeth because they're a little crooked and I had like a long list of things that I would change about myself and I think there was this moment where I'm like how exhausting is that how like I mean yes like I would like I feel like everybody would love to be their healthiest self but I think sometimes I'm like it's okay to just exist in your body as you are and that's good and I think when I had that realization that I'm like I could continuously pursue this idealistic version of myself that I could probably never attain. And even if I could, I would probably find new things to fixate on, or I could just create space for myself to enjoy the things that I like, try my best to make my experience a healthy, happy experience, and give myself permission to enjoy life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you actually said something really interesting, you know, like we all do want to be our healthiest self. Right. And I, I think like I want that for everyone as well. But what's so sad is that even though we think that's what we want, oftentimes the only thing we're focusing on is how our bodies look or how much our body's way, right? Like your example, right? With the glasses and the scoliosis and the teeth, right? My, I have like a super crooked tooth and of course, like, I think it would be awesome to have like straighter teeth, but that also has absolutely nothing to do with my health.
1: Yes. This is, this is literally the, epiphany that I had because even for me like my scoliosis doesn't actually cause me any pain and for most people they can't even notice it on me like it's very much it's something that I notice about myself but it wouldn't it doesn't really impact my health in any discernible way and I think that's it it's like there, sometimes there is kind of this obsession to just be your best self but I guess sometimes it's like where where do we kind of take a minute to just appreciate ourselves as we are and be okay with where we're at right I think
0: it like a really good practice if health is the goal is to like take a step back and look at what you're actually trying to achieve and if that's actually aligned with health like does that actually mean health Right. Like for the glasses and the straighter teeth, for an example, it's like if those are the things we're fixating on and our goal is to be a healthier version of ourselves, yet we're so wrapped up in the fact that we have crooked teeth, for an example. Right. It's like, okay, but that's not even aligned with being a healthier version of ourselves. So I don't know, our listeners can hopefully everyone can just like take a step back and ask themselves like, okay, what is my goal? And what am I actually fixating on? And are those two things aligned?
1: Yes, especially like, even in terms of like weight loss and weight loss diets is we know that those often have negative health consequences. For us. So it's interesting that in our heads, we're constantly pursuing weight loss, but you know, restrictive dieting and weight cycling are all things that can actually contribute to negative health outcomes. So I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. That sometimes we just have to take a minute and really like ask ourselves, what are we trying to achieve? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, if our listeners are tuning into this right now and they are also trying to break down like the diet culture rules and all that messaging coming at them every single day, if you have like a few of your personal, like biggest tips for them to do,
1: what would those be? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the very first things I recommend to people is to really diversify your social media and what you're taking in. Um, I think it's really good to get other people's perspectives, to see different body types, and maybe unfollow or mute people that cause you to have a lot of shame around your own body. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. I love that one. And I'm going to actually pause you there because you shared something on Instagram recently. Like when you are learning something new and you're presented certain information, you write it down and you actually like fact check it. So do you want to share that with everyone? Because I think this is so important, right? Like we go on social media, we hear one thing and Maybe we absorb it and take it as the truth, right? And there's often times like things that are shared on social media actually aren't very true. So yeah, just share that with
1: everyone. Yes, Um, I especially feel this as somebody who kind of exists in a lot of different nutrition spaces so i'm a holistic nutritionist but i'm currently in school to be a dietitian and i'm also taking some functional nutrition courses, so you can imagine that a lot of times i'm getting a lot of conflicting information at once um there's usually a lot of like universal truth being taught but sometimes somebody will say something that i'm like oh i just learned that that that's not the case so usually what i'll do is if there's something that like somebody's presenting as a hard fact but i've heard otherwise or i'm not 100% sure i'll make a little note beside it that i have to fact check it and i'll leave a little box to check mark it and that way i can kind of go back to it after and then usually um i'll go to pubmed or i'll look it up and i'll try to look through um some studies and kind of see like, okay, like what they meant was that, you know, in mice, they saw this correlation. So maybe that's true for humans, but we can't say a hundred percent. So I'm like, okay, that's an interesting thing to know, but maybe it's not conclusive and we shouldn't be saying it as though it's a hundred percent a fact for the human body.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I saw you post that on Instagram recently. I was like, yes, this is so important because how often do we just hear something and it's like oh yeah that's that's the way it is i guess
1: yeah and especially cuz i i really do feel like you know obviously nutrition is very much rooted in science but it's also just rooted in personal experience and bias like everybody's coming to the table with their own collective experiences they're addressing their own issues like they have their own topics and so sometimes we're kind of seeing it through a very narrow lens and it's not the full picture And um, especially on social media, where I think the focus is often weight loss, like sometimes I'll be posting something and somebody will message me and they're like, oh, well, you saying that, you know, you can have a cupcake is not conducive to weight loss. And I'm like, but that's also not what I'm speaking to. That's actually not what I'm talking about. Uh, which is really interesting that so everybody's kind of coming at it with their own experience and their own ideas. And I think that's really important to kind of take in what you're listening and also remember that you're allowed to pick and choose um, what resonates, what aligns with you. If you're hearing somebody, if somebody, if a nutrition, um, if a healthcare practitioner or a nutritionist is saying something that doesn't feel good to you or doesn't sound sustainable to you, you're allowed to let it go. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think we like intuitively know what doesn't sound sustainable or what doesn't sound like natural for us. Right. Um, Yeah. There's been so many times throughout my journey where, you know, there's people eating a certain way or, uh, you know, these recommendations coming at me and it's just like intuitively, I just knew that, it doesn't, doesn't seem like a normal way for me to eat. So instead of forcing ourselves to eat in that way, it's like, let's just tune into that and honor what feels natural and normal and real for us. Right.
1: Absolutely. Especially, I just feel like a lot of the advice that there is so conflicting, even within like, I don't know, like, even within wellness culture, like in one breath, you'll hear that, you know, white rice is refined and you shouldn't eat it. But also if you eat it cold, it's, you know, you've got the resistant starch and there's less arsenic. And so it's like nobody's really in, a, in an agreement for anything. So I think if you like white rice, like you should absolutely eat
0: it. And I love white rice. What about
1: you? <laughs> love white rice, yes. Love it.
0: Like that is one of truly my favorite foods. It's so good. <laughs> and yet I probably like you, went years without white rice because someone said something about it, right? Yeah, and you just have to challenge those things. I think that's like kind of the whole theme of this conversation is there's so much misinformation out there, but there's just so many opinions and all of those opinions might have some backing, but then there's like another thing that could contradict it and still have backing. So you really do just need to figure out what works for you
1: and what you enjoy. And I think that's exactly it. Like, I think absolutely we can take in the information we're learning and be like, okay, how can we build a balanced plate? How can we nourish ourselves deeply? But also to remember that you are not just your body. You're not just a healthy body. Like you are a human with emotions and experiences who deserves to have joy. And so you're allowed to have the foods that even if society or wellness culture or diet culture tells you like those foods are unhealthy, you're still allowed to have them. Yes, you are.
0: You are. (laughs) So as we're coming to the end of this episode, I'm curious, what is something that you are just loving nourishing your body with these
1: days? Food-wise or?
0: Yes. Yes. We'll go food-wise. Like what is one of your favorite meals or snacks right now?
1: Um, What is one of my favorite meals or snacks? Um, I know that's such a hard question because I do recipe development. So it's kind of whatever's in my fridge that I've tested that week. And like, that's kind of what I'm living off of. Um, but honestly, I've been on a real oatmeal kick lately. So that's been, that's your been a vibe. oatmeal
0: bowls look so good. The <laughs> yeah. blueberries. I actually, I have, I'm a huge oatmeal person, but I haven't had oatmeal in such a long time. And I was watching your Instagram stories, seeing you make oatmeal. I'm like, I need some oatmeal. It looks so good
1: thank you it's so funny because I feel like I waited until the weather got warm to be like oh yeah I really want some oatmeal and I've been eating it every day but I feel like in January I was having a smoothie every day like I got it backwards so
0: funny and I'm like the opposite I was eating the same bowl of like savory oats all throughout the winter and then I finally changed it kind of like yeah springtime I guess yeah Yeah, I love that. That's funny. So okay, you are up to a lot of things right now. So many different areas of studies and working and doing all of this amazing stuff. So can you share with everyone like what you're up to, how they can connect with you and learn more from you?
1: Yes. Um, so definitely um follow me on Instagram. Um nourish with tish and that's kind of where i share everything that is related to diet culture and also i talk a lot about um just like social justice issues and um even just certain health considerations for the lgbtq plus community so if you're interested in anything along those lines um same thing with tiktok um that's kind of where i share all the nutrition related things um you can also check out my blog i use it's nourishwithtish.com and usually that's where I'm posting healthy recipes and lots of nutrition tips amazing
0: and we will have all of that linked up in the show notes for everyone and finally I try to ask all of my guests this when I remember and most often I do what does it mean to you to be
1: unbreakable oh um I feel like being unbreakable actually means having a lot of vulnerability. Um, I think part of being resilient is giving yourself permission to be soft and fragile. Um, So I think for me, that journey has really just looked like, how can I be more gentle? How can I be more compassionate? How can I be more understanding with who I am and where I'm at right now?
0: That's beautiful. I hope everyone can take those questions away with them. I think we can all like journal that down and reflect on that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Tisha. I really enjoyed this.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun.